0: As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in John chapter 12 today. Now, today we do kick off the Easter week, and so it's what we call the Passion Week. So make sure you hear this on Friday night, Friday night at 725. We will be gathering for a Good Friday worship service. Uh, So we'll be remembering Christ's death on the cross at the Good Friday service. We'll also be taking the Lord's Supper 725 to 825, so we would invite you to come and be a part of that very special service. The next week for Easter Sunday, please bring somebody with you. Uh, we'll have two services, 945, 11 o'clock. Hope to have good crowds and hope to have a lot of visitors with us next week for Easter. When I was about five or six years old, I had a Forrest Gump moment. And I just took out the house and I started running uh, running down the street and and I still remember it I'd run down Teton Street and I would turn left at my bus stop and then I'd go up the hill and around the street that ran behind the block if if you did this today if a fifth or five or six year old did this today probably the entire police department would be looking for him but back in that day that's just what we did and so I was running around around the block back down the hill and I just did it again and about lap 3 or 4 around the block one of my neighbors who was Washing his car, I remember that picture. He was washing his car, and he starts asking me, "Why are you running? What 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 are you doing?" And I told him, "I'm training for the Olympics. Training for the Olympics." And I remember I said, "I want to run the 200 meter dash in the Olympics." And so my neighbor became like a cheerleader. He started cheering me on and giving me motivational speech almost, and encouraging me to follow my dreams, and how he believed that one day I would be in the Olympics. Back in October, I was blessed to be a part of a group of pastors that went to Washington, D.C., and we got to be a part of seeing the new Bible Museum that opened up there. And one of the things that we did is we gathered in the very spot where Martin Luther King delivered his I Have a Dream speech. The pastors gathered around. There's actually a little little marker right there, and we gathered around it. One of the African-American brothers in the Lord began to pray. And when he prayed, there were hundreds of people there at the Lincoln Memorial, and it's almost like everybody just stopped and listened to the power of his prayer. And I thought about it. I looked out upon them all, and I thought about how Martin Luther King delivered that, that speech about how important it is that we have a dream. It's vital that we have dreams, that we continue to cast vision. It's important that we set goals. It's important that we use our lives to inspire others and encourage other people to be what they can be. Ashley Smith wrote one time that life is full of beauty. Notice it. Notice the bumblebee, the small child, and the smiling faces. Smell the rain and feel the wind. Live your life to the fullest potential and fight for your dreams. The great Christian author C.S. Lewis once wrote, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. How many of you have dreams in your life? There was a moment my sophomore year of high school, where I was at a track meet. The gun went off, I was running the 200-meter dash, and about the time we got around the curve, I began to realize that my Olympic dream was never going (laughs) to happen. I was pretty good for Keller High, but there was no way I was going to make Team USA. My legs were just way too short, and I was just not fast enough. I could run all day. I could drink protein shakes. I could have a dream and read inspirational sayings, but I just wasn't going to make it to the Olympics. So, I became a pastor. (laughs) And as a pastor, I spend a lot of time working with adults who had big dreams for their life, but now they're saying, What happened? What happened? And sometimes what I find is that as we get a little further in life, we start getting angry at the script of life. And we say to ourselves, this is not what I I envision. And if we're not careful, we start becoming cynical people, very, very negative people, because we feel trapped. We feel trapped in a life that we did not write. Now, this confusion continues to inflate whenever you are a Christian because as Christians, we believe that God loves us, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, that God has a script for our life. And so, because we believe that, sometimes it leads us to even greater confusion and perhaps even to more cynicism. Occasionally, frequently actually, I run into people who have become angry at God. Then there's some that say, well, I don't want to get angry at God. That wouldn't be right. So rather than getting angry at God, we just become very, very apathetic. Or we're almost like zombies just going through the motions. And then I see some that even push away, quit dreaming, stop living a life of faith, stop living in the now, and start living in the should-bes, what-ifs, and disappointments of the past. And the result is that we miss out. We miss out on the beauty of life. miss out on what can be. We miss out on what God is doing today. We miss out on those opportunities to grow. We miss out on joy. And we shut down the dream machine. So today is Palm Sunday. You say, why do they call it Palm Sunday? Because on Palm Sunday, we remember... Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem when they lined the streets and they laid down the palm leaves welcoming him into Jerusalem. So look with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12 and verse 12 where it describes that scene. The scriptures say, the next day when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So these people hear that This great teacher, this great healer, this man, Jesus, is coming to Jerusalem, and it begins to create a large buzz among the people, and so they took palm branches and went out to meet him, and they kept shouting, Hosanna! He who comes in the name of the Lord is the Blessed One, the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, what God was doing through Jesus was absolutely huge. God had a vision. God had a mission. He was bringing salvation near to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Talk about a God-sized dream. Jesus wasn't just solving political problems. He wasn't just solving world problems. He was solving the problem of the darkened heart. And it's the darkened heart that is the root cause of sin. And this injustice and this depravity and the debauchery that bothers you so much and that you read about every day in the news, that Jesus was coming to bring answers for that. Yet many missed what God was doing. Many couldn't really see it because God's vision was not their vision. They had a small, contained vision of the Messiah. You see, the Messiah was something that they had looked forward to for centuries. One day there would be the Anointed One, the Messiah, come, and that in their minds, this Messiah would bring about liberation from Rome. And so they began to develop this vision of what it should be, and they thought, okay, here comes the Messiah, but they had a small, contained vision of a Messiah who would solve their present problems. They wanted a better life today, and yet God was desiring to give them eternal life. They were wanting God to restore the nation of Israel. They were wanting a king of Israel, and yet God was desiring to restore their hearts. He was bringing the king of all kings. They wanted a human leader, yet God had sent His divine Son. They were seeking after the answers to the superficials of life, and God was bringing the substance of life. Disaster occurs. In the Christian life, when we begin to or try to modify the plans of God in order to squeeze them into our plans, and sometimes the plans that we have are good. We have good plans, we have good visions for our life, but then we take God's activity and we try to squeeze it into our plans. Now, think about it. When we take God and we try to squeeze Him into our plans, who's playing God? we are. Often, this is our motif. God, I'm at work, and you're supposed to join me in what I'm doing. But in reality, it's God who is at work, and we're supposed to join Him in what He is doing. So they had a dream. They had a dream that Jesus would become an emperor, that He would rule over the world. They had a dream that God's people would then be able to relax a little bit, that they could turn up the music and they could have some fun, and and they could, uh, instead of being oppressed, they would have money, power, and fame, and they would turn the tables on Rome. And so they began to live out this dream, and they created a scene that illustrated what they were expecting to happen. Have you ever watched an old Roman movie where they had these triumphs? Or the general would come back or the, the emperor would come back into the city after a great victory. And the people would line the streets and they would have what was called a triumph. And so when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, the people began to organize an impromptu triumph because they were welcoming him in as the Messiah. Yet here was the issue is that they still saw him as an earthly political messiah. And so they began to line the streets with palm branches, and they were cheering. If we were to Americanize it, confetti is falling. We are the champions is playing. And all these people are celebrating Jesus coming in, and they're crying out, Hosanna, which literally means our Savior. Here comes our King. Here comes the one that will save us. Now, here's the irony of the story. In the now, the plan of God was right in front of them. And yet some of the same people that would welcome Jesus into Jerusalem at the beginning of the week would be crying out, crucify him, crucify him, at the end of the week. How does that happen? How do the very people that say, here comes our Savior, here he comes, here comes the Messiah at the beginning of the week, how do those people turn into the ones that are saying, crucify him, crucify him, at the end of the week? Because what God was doing didn't fit their vision of what God was supposed to do. They were like, God has to do it this way. And God was at work all around them. But many missed it. Because God's vision wasn't their vision. Now let's just be honest. This happens to all of us. Frequently. Something happens that we don't understand, and it just doesn't fit our vision. And it even happened to the disciples. Look at verse 16, okay? Have your Bibles, look at verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified then, they remembered that these things had been written about Him and that they had done these things to Him. Now, I want to give you today three principles for living in God's now and experiencing God's vision, dreams for your life. And the first one is this realize that sometimes you're not going to understand what God is doing. Anyone ever got, anybody have God all figured out? If you can figure out everything about God, what kind of God do you have? You have a pretty small God because He fits within our finite mind, right? I don't understand Him completely. There's things that God does that I don't understand. And there are times where God is going to be at work, and particularly at first, we're not going to understand it. Do you think that Moses truly understood that God was growing him into a liberator when he was running for his life and found himself spending 40 years watching sheep on the backside of a mountain? Do you think that Daniel truly understood that God was at work in the heart of the most powerful king in the land whenever he was landing in the lion's den? Do you think that Esther realized that when God placed her in the palace, that He placed her in that palace so that eventually she could save her people from genocide. Do you think that Mary fully understood when she gave birth to God's Son that He was born to die and rise again? Think about the parents of Peter, James, and John. These Young men were in the fishing business, and they were doing quite well in the fishing business. They had several ships, and then this new teacher comes onto the scene, and this new teacher named Jesus tells them, "Uh, leave your business and follow me, and instead of fishing for fish, I'll make you fishers of men. How do you think Dad took that news? Probably most of us as dads, we'd sit them down. We'd say, all right, listen, son, this isn't wise. All right, this this is not this is not a good career path. Okay? It doesn't make financial sense. There's no way God is in this. You need to go back to fishing. The disciples didn't know all that God was doing, even through the events of the cross, as they were marching into Jerusalem in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested, when, when Judas betrayed Jesus, when all this was going on. They didn't know all that they were supposed to do, all that, they were, all that was going on. What is it that God wants from us when we don't understand? He wants us to keep following, keep trusting. Now, now this is huge. When you don't understand what God is doing, just have faith in God. And be sure to live in the now. Hear me on this. God is at work today. And there'll be some times that just, I don't get it. But he's at work. Second principle God is always at work in the now, so live in the now. I'm not sure what's going on here. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, then he goes into the temple, and comes back, and he casts out the money changers, then he gets betrayed, and then he dies on a cross. God, this doesn't seem to be going well. You we used to have massive crowds, fed the 5,000, the masses would come out, and now the crowds are yelling to crucify you. And all the while, God is saying, just keep having faith in the now. Do you realize that Jesus can't rise again until he first of all dies? That's profound, isn't it? <laughs> Before the resurrection, you have to have the cross. I want you to know something. God is at work. God's at work in your life. God's at work in your marriage. say, Lash, it's, it's tough right now. I don't understand everything. I don't understand everything either, but I know that God's at work. God's at work in your family. God's at work in our church. God's at work in our community. God has not fallen asleep on His throne Yet sometimes, we miss it. Sometimes we miss what God is pouring into our hearts today because our hearts are still trapped in the past. You know, we should always learn from the past. Those that don't learn from the past, they're destined to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. We should always learn from the past, but you should never live in the past. Whenever you live in the past, you find yourself missing out on the promises of today, the joy of today. Whenever you live in the past, you frequently can't even see what God is, is doing, much less dream about what He can do. So make sure you live in the now. And then thirdly, look forward to the however, then, however, when, then moment. Look forward to the however, when, then moment. The disciples did not understand these things at first, yet even though they couldn't see it, God was at work in ways that surpassed their wildest dreams. Now some people never did see it. Judas' life would end in tragedy. He never did see what God was doing. The Pharisees that were supposed to be leading people to God, they never did see what God was doing because they were so trapped in their legalism. And there were many in the crowd that never did see what God was doing. But those who kept moving forward in faith, they had their what when-then moment. Look at verse 16 again. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified then oh, that's a neat thing whenever the however when then moment happens you don't understand what's going on but you just keep plowing forward in faith you're not sure what God is doing and then there is this moment where God begins to reveal his glory and we have the however when then moment ah this is what God was doing Ah, oh, this makes sense God was at work the whole time he was active around me the however when then moment is a beautiful thing and when the disciples had it then they then they remembered oh yeah you know what palm sunday everything that happened all this was written about in the old testament oh yeah this isn't part this isn't an accident this isn't something that god was asleep upon his throne oh man i, I can't believe this all no god was at work the entire time even through the painful moments god was at work and he was drawing people close to himself. 1979, Murphy Baptist Church, a.k.a. Murphy Church, was meeting in a little building out in the middle of nowhere. Church had been meeting all the way back since the turn of the century around 1900. Uh, It was originally envisioned by a lady who began reading her Bible and decided that people should be baptized by immersion. And so she got with the pastor of the church, First Baptist Church of Plano. They planted a new church in Murphy. For about half a century, Murphy Baptist Church only met every other week because we shared a pastor. Through that first hundred years of our history, most of our pastors only stayed here one or two years because they were seminary students going through seminary. And then they would graduate and they would move on. In fact, I'm the in the hundred plus year history of the church, I'm the second longest tenured pastor right now. I'm one and a half years away from some guy named Jay Griffin back in the thirties and I'm gonna reel him in. So (laughs) so I am reeling that guy that guy in. But for eighty years the church met in a little cotton filled community that few knew about called Murphy, Texas. You ever heard of Murphy, Texas? Yeah. And then God birthed in the heart of some dreamers to step out on faith. And these dreamers, they decided, we're going to relocate the church. Prepare for the future. Now, don't worry, I'm not about to give you a speech on how we're relocating the church. But these dreamers started thinking, why don't we we buy some more land? So they bought this land that that we're on. They... uh, They built this building over here to my left that we call the Edge Building. And there were a few who said, that is crazy. There were some that said, well, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand it, but okay. If this is what we think the Lord's in, let's let's go forward. There were even some that got a bit angry. Imagine that, Baptists getting angry. But the church took a step of faith. And some dreamers who followed the Lord made a decision. They led the church forward. 2004, the church took another big step of faith. In fact, we're coming up on the 15th anniversary of our first Sunday in this building. This building was built in 2004, and uh, it was opened, I think, uh, somebody, one of the long-timers told me it was, we, we moved in in August, so it will be 15 years coming up here in just, just a few, few months. And whenever we took that step, man, we took a huge step. How many of y'all were here in 2004 whenever we built this building? There's a few. It was a huge step of faith. People say, well, why didn't we build this, or why didn't we do this, or why didn't we do that? Why didn't we, <laughs> we didn't have all the money we had, we spent, you know? It was all that the church could could do just just to do that. Now, question for you. Do you think in 1979, when Murphy Church took that step of faith and decided, okay, we need to relocate to a a bigger piece of property, we need need to move down the street, do you think that anyone was thinking at that time, we need to do this because this will be a great location for a jack-in-the-box? That's where the church was, where the -the jack-in-the-box is now. Was anybody thinking that? You know what? This community, what it needs is a Starbucks, and so we've got to move down, down the road. No. What were they doing? They were just following God in the moment, and God was at work in ways that they didn't understand. God was doing things uh, around them. All the church was doing was taking those steps of faith. In 1999, the George Bush Turnpike would open up, and then guess what happened to Murphy, Texas? All the home builders came here. Next thing you know, people began moving here because the telecom sector was not far away. People began moving here from all over the world, and we became one of the most diverse communities in the entire Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And this community needs a church that has a dream. This community needs a church that has faith to follow the Lord. This community needs a church that has faith to take those next steps. Let me tell you what I dream about. Let me tell you what I dream about at night. I dream about you growing. I dream about your heart coming alive in the gospel. I, I dream about you becoming more like Christ. I dream of our church becoming disciples and being part of a great movement of God that pours into our hearts where we find ourselves totally committed to the Lord and we become followers of Jesus Christ that are also producing followers of Jesus Christ. I dream of moms and dads who can go into their children's rooms at night and pray with them when those children ask question of them. Mom and dad is equipped to answer those questions and to help help them grow in their faith. I dream of these kids who run these hallways and hunt these Easter eggs. I dream of them growing up and seeing them get married and seeing them be baptized and I dream of them growing up into great men and women of God who will be able to stand for truth and stand for right and follow God even in a culture that is coming down upon them. I dream about being a church where we see God move in our hearts. And where people from all over the world that have been brought to this community, not by accident, but by the sovereign fingers of God, hear the good news of Jesus Christ and come alive in Him. I dream that God continues to give us more bridges into these various parts of the community that cause us to go cross-cultural, that cause us to go across boundaries so that people from Vietnam and people from India and people from all over the world might hear of the good news of Jesus Christ. I dream of a church that trusts God even when we don't understand and a church that God births within us, a deep faith that allows us at times to glance at the problems and gaze at our God and realize that even when we don't understand, God's at work. I dream of a church that looks forward to the however, when, then moments. When we see God's glory revealed, and we say, This is God. This is it. This this, this is church. There is beauty to be found. There is opportunity to be seized. There is love to be shared. There is deep, deep, deep joy in the now. Your life is not an accident. You take up space and you take in air for a reason. God created you on purpose for a purpose. God has gathered this group of believers in Murphy, Texas together on purpose. It is part of his sovereign will. And I pray to God that he might use us as a community of believers to share the gospel and that we might have the joy of seeing the gospel take root deeply in the hearts of people, seeing people come alive in Christ, seeing marriages healed, seeing families strengthen, and see a community transformed by the power of the gospel. Don't ever stop dreaming. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. Realize God's at work, and He's got some good stories to write. The story that you wrote for your life may not be the story you're living, but the life you're living has great stories in it. Find them. Seize them. Be a part of the plan of God. Join Him in His work and experience the depths of His joy. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment. The band's going to come and they're going to lead us in worship. If there's anything that I may pray with you about, I'm here at the front. If there's a decision that you need to make today, I'm here at the front. My wife is here with me. If she can pray with you as well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this community in which you've placed us. And we thank you, Father, that long before we were ever here, you were here. Lord, we, we often sit in buildings that we did not build, and we stand upon the shoulders of those that have gone before us. And we are so thankful for their faith and for their vision. And I pray, Lord, that we might never rest in apathy, but may we always see See what it is that You're doing right in front of us. Lord, help us not to allow our visions of what should be skew the vision of what is, because we know that what is, is good. Because we know that You love us, and that You are on Your throne, and that You are doing great and mighty works right in front of us. And I pray that we not, might not miss Jesus. because we're so focused on ourselves. I pray, Father, that we might experience the joy and taste the goodness of the living waters that come from you. And I pray, Lord, that you might allow vision to become reality as we see people come alive in you and grow to be like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Let's stand together. Let's sing.